Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Well, good morning, everyone. Why don't you say this with me? Say, the Word of God is full of power. It's the same today, every minute, every hour. The Word is truth, and it's also the way. The Word is life, and it's for today. Now, come on, a little bit more of a beat. Come on, come on. The Word of God is full of power. It's the same today, every minute, every hour. The Word is truth, and it's also the way. The Word is life, and it's for today. Can you say amen? Amen. Come on, put your hands together. (laughs) Praise God. Well, well, great to be with you. And uh, I'm going to preach from the book of Jonah. So I'm going to give you about 20 minutes to find that book. (laughs) Sitting there reading Joel, you know, going, oh, there's not much of a fish in this. It's early on in the Minor Prophets, if you know what that means. And uh, the book of, By the way, uh, it's great to have Jane with me. How many of you think that when you look at Jane and you look at me, you realize there's a God? <laughs> we do tours of the Alpha Course, you know. I just show up on week one and people come to faith immediately. No need for ten weeks of food. Saves churches an awful lot of money. I want Jane to say hello to you. Would that be all right? Come on, Jane. Give her a cheer. Thank you. The truth is that I'm the blessed one. Well, so I just wanted to share a little testimony with you about what's been happening in our lives recently. Um, we've been through, and I know a lot of people go through difficult times, and so, but, but we've been through a difficult time too. And we've um, come to a place, we came to a place last October where we had to decide that, that Peter, who had his dream job, he, he had to leave that job just because of various reasons that I'm, I won't go into. But it's just been a very, very sad time for us as well as a, a hard time. And we don't know what the future holds. And it's, you know, that, that tension of trusting God and going, ah! Um, so that's where we've been. But during this time, a friend of mine, a pastor's wife, said that um, the Lord is from Isaiah 45 and verse 3. She said, the Lord's going to give you treasures in the hidden and dark places. And I thought, okay, that's a great word. I'll hold on to that. And then one day, Peter and I were going to, to a day of, of ministry. And um, on the way there, uh, we were worshipping as, as, as is our practice in the car. And um, I just suddenly broke out with the joy of the Lord. And I don't mean I was smiling or something, but I mean that there was a deep joy inside and I couldn't stop laughing, uncontrollably laughing. So that was amazing. No one had prayed for me. You know, I hadn't been to a meeting. We were on the way to a meeting. And so that was amazing. It was wonderful. I felt blessed. And then, and that was on the 4th of November last year. I remember it because it's my brother's birthday. And, um, and then from that time onwards... I've basically had a lot of experience like that. <laughs> and it doesn't really happen to Peter. Occasionally it happens to Peter, but it particularly happens when I'm in his presence, when I'm with him. And um, so I've been having these Holy Ghost parties sort of on my own. <laughs> and then uh, two weeks ago, we went to uh, a place called Hollybush in North Yorkshire, which is a place that we, we came across accidentally, but it's a place where God has moved for the last 50 years, a, a real place of revival. And, um, and so we've been going there for the last, the last five years, and we love it, and Peter's become one of the speakers there. And 
somehow this year I became one of the speakers <laughs> and um, by God's grace and I was sharing um, a little bit about this that this had happened to me and uh, and then as I left the platform somebody came over and said would you pray for me and as I prayed for him the glory of God came upon us both and we started laughing and and um, and then a whole load of people in the, in, the, in the congregation also started laughing. Um, you know, and the joy of the Lord is, is not just a, a bit of a giggle. It's something deep within. It's, it's something where God does a deep work within you. It's not, it's not a game. It's something very deep. And so it's just amazing and, and exciting for, for us. And then the last night, Peter preached... He preached a, a, a sermon called Mary's Choice. It's not particularly funny <laughs> at all. It's not funny. It's very serious. It's a serious message. Um, but as he was preaching, according to Acts 10, while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard him. And the whole room was in uproar as, as Peter was preaching um, and, and the Holy Spirit fell. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, that's a weird thing. But I just want to give two short testimonies of the people who were laughing. One man had lost his wife. That, that he, well, I don't know how long ago, but since that time, he had not laughed. He had not smiled. And the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he could not stop laughing. He, was so, he looked so happy. And then uh, after, after that meeting, a lady came up to me and said, will you pray for me? I'm in a loveless marriage. And she had been laughing that on the two occasions, on both of those occasions. She said, I'm in a loveless marriage and I don't want to go home. And so the Lord had been doing a wonderful work in those people that were particularly sad. And, um, and so I'm ex- we're very excited to be here. It's an incredible place. The worship today, by the way, was just off the chart. Fantastic. And, uh, and it's a place, this is a, a wonderful place, the presence of God. And I just want to uh, encourage you to yield to God, to yield and, and just let go. You know, um, some, someone said to me, you know, you don't care what people think about you. And I don't. When I'm in the presence of God, nothing else matters. Only Jesus matters. Only me giving glory to him. Only me lifting him up. That's all that matters. And I'm yielded to him. And I just want to encourage you. Just yield to him now. Let go. As I, I say sometimes to people I'm trying to help to let go. You know, when you're trying to swim, you hold on to the sides for dear life until that moment where you believe that the water will hold you. The water will hold you. And so we, if we want to swim, we have to let go of the sides. And today I, pray, I encourage you, swim in the river, let go of the sides, and see what God can do for you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. The merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Love, you know those two mints that you got out? One for me, one for you. Uh, There wasn't enough for you. Jonah chapter 4. You found it yet? Good. Yeah, I didn't tell you the chapter, did I? Those of you with your iPads. Jonah 4. Oh, this is going to be a strange message today. It's going to be strange. Frankly, I I don't know what to call this. Worms is probably a good title. Um, Have you got worms? Um, Something like that. The ministry of the worm, I think, is what we settled on. So we'll bring up some of these slides. The ministry of the worm. Previously on Jonah, before we get to chapter 4. Previously on Jonah. Jonah was called by God, yes? He didn't want to go, yes? God had a way of getting him there, right? Via an unusual sea craft, yes? And um, he goes to the city of Nineveh. He doesn't really want to go, but he goes to the city He doesn't even want them to get saved, actually. He preaches to them, and they do get saved. Jonah is the worst evangelist in the history of the world. There's a revival, and he goes out, sits under a tree, and is depressed about it. (laughs) That's really what happens. So that's where we are. The Lord has shown great mercy on this 
very wicked city, the capital of um, Assyria, as was Nineveh. Jonah 4, verse 1. You with me? Say aye. Aye. Okay. But Jonah was greatly displeased. So there's been a great revival. (laughs) Jonah was greatly displeased. Do you think maybe he's just in the wrong job? Imagine the head of Coca-Cola. I can't believe it. Sales are up. So it's the wrong job. Because, of course, you can be called by God and you can be in the right place at the right time with the wrong heart. So it's not just about serving God. It's about serving him properly, isn't it? Anyway, that's another message. Jonah was displeased and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That's why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew, now this is one of the verses we're going to be thinking about today. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter. Say shelter. Like I want you to put the, all these little details are important. He builds himself a shelter. The reason he's building himself a shelter is because it's hot and he doesn't want to Go too far away because he wants to see maybe the Lord will destroy Nineveh and he wants to be there, you know, just kind of take the pictures. So Jonah went out, sat down in a place. He made a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then, verse 6, the Lord God provided a vine And made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head. This must have been a miracle because it happened very, very quickly, right? And and it gave shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn, the next day, God... Provided, everyone see that? God, not, not Satan then. God, the God who's loving and kind and ever compassionate and filled with love. God provided a worm. Hip, hip. I don't think your heart is in that. God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God, say God. Yeah, here we go. Here here he comes again. God provided a scorching east wind. Hip, hip. All right, so you're getting into the spirit of it, but... This isn't really what you want. Because it's not going to make him cool. It's going to make him hotter here. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it will be better for me to die than to live. By the way, I've done some research. That's exactly how he spoke. (laughs) Trust me, I'm a scholar. Verse 9, but God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. He, he was in EastEnders as well, right? <laughs> Verse 10, but the Lord said this, you've been concerned about this vine, though you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, died overnight. But Nineveh, 
has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. Now, just to help you, that that might mean just the children number 120,000. Right, you with me? They're so so young, they don't know their right hand from their left. 120,000 children alone. Or maybe it's a figure of speech, meaning they're not very bright, these, these people. You know, spiritually, they're lost. And many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Today I want to preach something that probably won't get a big altar call. Probably won't get people whooping and hooping. If people are laughing at the end of this, it really will be a sign and a wonder. God has all sorts of incredible servants in the Bible. Sometimes he makes his servants flames of fire. Sometimes the wind is his servant. Sometimes the prophets are his servants. Sometimes the apostles and and evangelists are his servants. Sometimes angels are his servants. And sometimes worms are his servants. Now hopefully we don't mean this literally. If you have a worm in your house when you get home, Please don't see this as a sign from God. (laughs) Have mercy on him. Let him remain in one piece. Can you say amen? Amen. Do not administer the scissors unto him. (laughs) Place him on a piece of paper and putteth him outside. But there are times when God, this is a very strange end to this book. If only it had begun with a reluctant prophet who eventually went and there was revival. We thought, wow, this is, the, this is it. But chapter 4 kind of is like the season finale that changes the whole series. Anyway, more on that in another time, another place. Jonah verse 4, sorry, Jonah 4 verse 2 is, is, is the truth. But God, he is a God of great compassion. And because, because he is a God of great compassion, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love, because he is all those things, he might sometimes take away your nice, cozy canopy. Not to hurt you, but to heal you. Not to damage you, but to develop you. So we're going to talk about that just for a little bit. There's, there's three words that I want to leave you with. Uh, don't think I'm ending. It's just the end. It's just the end of the introduction. The next meeting's not till two. I've got a while. But three words that I want you to go away with. The three words are destiny, empathy, and eternity. Because that seems to me, when I read the story, that seems to me what the worm is doing. Creating in Jonah a destiny, empathy, and eternity. So that's, that's where we're going. This first word then, the word destiny. God destroyed the canopy. Jonah wanted the canopy but God destroyed it here's the thing how many times has the word of the Lord come to you you got all excited in the middle of worship someone was playing particularly Holy Ghost type music someone was rattling the cymbals the atmosphere was glorious And the man of God said, the Lord is opening a door for you. Hallelujah. Or 
Or the Lord says to you that it's been a long night, but the dawn is coming. Hallelujah. By the way, the worm showed up at dawn. I just, just thought I'd throw that in for free. <laughs> Have a look at that. Or the Lord is opening up new avenues of ministry for you. Behold, I set before thee an open door. You get all excited. But can I ask you this? Can we just be mature and understand this? That God is also the God who can lock a door. That God is a God who has the keys of David and what he opens, no one can shut. But what he shuts, no one can open. You may have fasted so much, you now have to dance around in the shower to get wet. But you ain't going to open a door that God has locked. How many people did you not marry? Thank God. can't believe it. He broke up with me. Well, thank God he did. <laughs> but at the time, you were destroyed. can't believe it. What's happening? He said he loved me three years ago. How many times you've gone for a job interview? They said no, but you'd claimed it. After the interview, you went down and you walked around the job place, claiming it for you. That's why you didn't get it, sweetheart. They got CCTV. (laughs) How come that man didn't marry me? Everywhere I went, he was there. Yeah, he was in love with your friend. There's nothing like going for a job interview and getting a no. There's nothing like going down on one knee and saying, will you marry me and getting a no. There's nothing like asking the Lord, I need a miracle and I need it by four o'clock. And then at four o'clock comes, you go, well, Lord, I'm prepared to give you another hour. Listen, we're believing God to do miraculous things today. But we've got, listen, you've got to have a God who can say no to you. Otherwise, it's just a spoiled child. And you think you're God. He can say no. And when he says no, it's because he loves you more than you love you. He's older than you. When I was preaching the other night, I was talking about Mary sitting at the Lord's feet. And when you look at the story, Mary sitting at the Lord's feet, this is a wonderful example of prayer and being with Jesus. But Mary doesn't say a word. She lets Jesus do the speaking. Wouldn't it be great if God was allowed to be God instead of us? The seven steps uh, to victory. The seven steps to move in the mountain. If only, the, if only you knew the truth. The truth is, you're going to have to climb the mountain. This time. So the worm, sometimes God sends things in our life. He takes things away. That it's just not time for us to have. It's not the right place. It's not the right time. It's not going to do us any good. Sometimes, don't you know that to have everything, is that's not a blessing, that's a temptation. Satan said to the Lord Jesus Christ in the desert, I'll give you everything. Well, that doesn't sound like that's a blessing, that sounds like that's a temptation of the flesh. Sometimes I want to lead a big meeting in the Royal Albert Hall and say, turn to your neighbor and say, today is not my day. Come on. <laughs> and that's it. I've just 
People listening on the internet have just switched off. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, because God wants you to have faith in his love. A lot of you here are parents. So you know that with your children, you have to say no. Right? No, I love you. I know you're five years old, but no, you can't have a gun. <laughs> when I was your age, we, for Christmas we had a, an apple and an orange. The little kid goes, wow, a phone and a computer. In the last 12 months, in the next 12 months, in the next five years, in the last five years, there have been worms in your house. And thank God there have been. There have been worms. Now, not everything's a worm, <laughs> but every now and then, every now and then, we have to say, Lord, are you, are you preventing this? In Acts 16, Paul goes into Asia where he's not allowed to preach. That's a shame. It, now don't misread the Bible. It doesn't say he couldn't get into Asia. He got into Asia. But he, but he was prevented from sharing the word in the province of Asia. That doesn't mean he didn't get in. Have a look at the maps. He was in. He was there. He was ready. But, he, but, he, but God didn't allow it. So then he tries to get into a Bithynia. He's got everything. Got all the papers. He's got the CV. He's got the A-level results. Everyone understand? He's the perfect match for this, for this task. He's done everything right. He's prayed and fasted and he's right before God and he's, he's right. But God abounds in love and is rich in compassion and has got something else for him to do. So, boom, the door shuts. He must have been very confused. Look, this seems logical to me. But the door shuts. I want us to be a church and I want us to be a group of Christians who are just as grateful to God when doors shut as when they open. Come on. Because that shows I trust my father. Love what Steve was saying. I wake up in the morning. I love you, Jesus. I eat my breakfast. I love you, Jesus. I'm on my way to work. I love you, Jesus. A worm's eating my canopy. I, I love you, Jesus. House sales. Why hasn't my house sold yet? I can tell you exactly. Because no one has bought it yet. <laughs> Happy with that? You may go. <laughs> so number one, destiny. Our faith is in the goodness of God. Lord, if I didn't get that job, that's because you're good to me. Lord, if I'm not cured yet, you must be doing something else. Because you are always good. Lord, if this relationship has gone south, or something has, someone who I thought I was going to marry, or someplace I thought I was going to work, or some church where I thought I was going to be the next big thing. And I'm not on the platform yet. Or I'm not doing this yet. Or I thought I was going to be uh, the next Mother Teresa, you know, whatever. I thought I'd have been doing that. Look, the fact that it hasn't happened means you're loved. Not that you're forgotten. Well, I'm on the shelf. You're not on the shelf. You're in his quiver. Number two. Number one is destiny. Then number two, empathy. Empathy. You know what empathy is? It's 
it's hard. I was just thinking through, how do we distinguish between the word sympathy and the word empathy? Sympathy is when I, is, I feel sorry for you because you're wearing those high heels. I wonder why you're doing it. Is it part of the curse of Eve? I don't really understand it. That's sympathy. Empathy is when I put your shoes on. That also might be called something else. I should have used another illustration. I will this afternoon. I'll think of a better one than that. Sympathy is when I say, wow, you're, you're struggling to walk. I feel sorry for you. Empathy is when you're struggling to walk. Just for a time. You feel empathy. Jonah is sent the worm because he is a spoiled little brat. And God wants him to have, a, to have empathy for the people in the city of Nineveh. Right? For God, listen, listen, for God, it wasn't just about getting the prophet in the right place to preach the right message. God was concerned about the man's heart, not his ministry. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are about getting Jonah's feet to the right place. Chapter 4 is about getting his heart in the right place. You can have every gift of God that you can muster and be in full flow, but if your heart is in the wrong place, behold, I send you my servant, the worm. <laughs> so the worm is on his way. You know, not just the people on the back row, figuratively, but people on the front row, figuratively. I say figuratively because I know people sit in different places these days. Empathy. Empathy. I, uh, I've damaged my leg, you know. And uh, it's funny. Do you know what? You all looked at it then. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I'm a doctor. I've damaged my leg and um, so actually yesterday I took all the masking tape but my leg was covered in mask. I had more masking tape on my leg than on a Hillsong worship platform. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just walking around with tape on my leg that no one could see just to you know, keep me straight and went to see a physiotherapist, sort of. That's what she said she was. Uh, she had masking tape so... I believed her. And, uh, but, but like for the last few weeks, well, I won't go into it, but uh, no, no, I will. I uh, <laughs> hobbling around and, you know, Jane had to take my socks off and on and all that. So everyone's going, oh, we need to pray for you. No, no, pray for her. <laughs> the healing of the memories. <laughs> Shouldn't just have to put my socks on. But anyway... I, um, so I've been hobbling around, you know, and, and last week or the week before, as Jane was saying, we were preaching at this camp, you know, I was on nearly every night for the last few nights and, and uh, all of a sudden I'm walking in and I'm thinking, right, uh, where's the nearest way to get to a chair and what will I be able to hold on to? You know, all those sorts of things, you know, and, and when I sit down, how will I be able to get up and, and thinking, well, shall I go to the loo? How painful is that going to be sitting down, standing up, you know, all, all sorts of things like that. Just simple, simple, stupid stuff. And then it sort of clicked. I thought, there are people who go through this all the time. They're always thinking about, dare I go to the toilet? They're always thinking about, how am I going to sit down? They're always thinking about, how am I going to get out the car and get into the building? And is there going to be a lift in this hotel? And, and suddenly I'm just thrown into their world. And because the camp we're at is sort of for... It isn't for older people, but a lot of older people go. So the whole place is just full of people on sticks and people older than Yoda, you know, and, and uh, just uh, hobbling about. And uh, I'm thinking, wow, I really fit in here now. <laughs> and a 
couple of days ago, I, was at my, I went to see my GP and they let me in. And as I came out, I saw a, a, you know, an old man just like getting into a, a car. Now, you see, a few weeks ago, I'd have been sympathetic about that. I would have. Poor fellow, you know. I might be like that one day. You know, but now I'm empathetic about that. I've changed. I've changed. And you, so, so you know full well, don't you, that when we suffer, we become a champion for the cause. Now, I don't know this statistically, but let me suggest to you that if we were today to burst into a, I don't know, a cancer research clinic, we will find the sons, daughters, husbands, sisters, nephews, whatever, of people who've died of cancer. In other words, something's happened in them that has caused them to rise up and say, I need to change the world. People who've had uh, mental health troubles suddenly realize, wow, there's hardly, any, there's hardly any provision for mental health sufferers in cities like Cambridge. Or, or you, know, you know, people have all kinds of things, sight, sight impairment, or, or they're deaf, or suddenly... The world's changed for them, hasn't it? It's changed for them. And I want you to know something. This isn't just about being nice. This is in the Bible. Romans 12, verse 15. Some of these texts will appear in some form for us. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Yes? But weep or mourn with those who mourn. So we're supposed to be one body. In fact, it's true. The thing that's actually been wrong with my knee is a tiny little tendon, no bigger than a stamp or something, a couple of stamps. But it's thrown my entire body out. Well, of course, it's a good illustration, isn't it, of how it should be in the body. You know that in your family, if one member of your family goes into chaos, it affects all the family. Many times. And it can happen in a church if one person in a church gets upset or something goes wrong. It, it can, should, will, can sometimes affect everybody. So it's a good idea to be healthy so we don't cause others to stumble. But at the same time it means when, when some suffer, we all suffer. Hebrews 13 verse 3, sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now Hebrews 13, 3. Remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And those who are ill-treated as if you yourselves were suffering. Empathy leads to action. In a way that sympathy sometimes doesn't. Everyone understand? Oh, well, Jonah could feel. Oh, yeah, well, I feel. I feel for these Ninevans. But as soon as he was under the heat. Oh, no. Now he's learning a lesson. So it's this. Jonah had to suffer in order to become the man of God that he had to be. And God made it happen. Which God? The nasty, mean, no, the God of all compassion, abounding in love that we read about in Jonah 4 verse 2. The golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so there's a sense which, so it's, it's so important actually in a local church to have a sense of togetherness. Sometimes when churches get larger, that can sometimes get a bit lost. It's hard to really care about a member of the family that you never see. You know, that's just how it is, isn't it? Shall I tell you a fantastic fact? Do you know that the World Cup was still going on less than a month ago? Well, we've all moved on, haven't we? It didn't come home, did it? Every now and then I see someone with one of those England flags. And I think, 
Have they not got a telly? <laughs> it didn't come home, lads. It's funny enough, I, you, you know the song, it's coming home. Da, da, you know. I thought, I've, I really want to download that, you know. And I didn't. I thought, I'm not going to waste 79p on that. And then on the day that we went out, I say we, I'm speaking of England now. Don't know who you were cheering for, you see. And uh, <laughs> you've got to be a bit careful here. And um, how did Spain do, right? Um, Colombia? Oh, no. And um, <laughs> sorry about that. No. Never mind. Anyway, the, you know, the Lord is with the righteous. <laughs> and... Um, On the day that we went out, that morning I downloaded, you know, it's coming home, it's coming. I played it three times during the day. I didn't play it on the way back from the football night we had, you know. But one of the images that came out of the World Cup, you may be aware, is this one right here. And this is Gareth Southgate comforting uh, the player that missed the penalty. Everyone remember this? Remember that day when we, when we won a penalty shootout? I was in, where was I? With Jared Cooper. In, 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 that's where I was. Where's, where's that hull? I was in Hull. In a, in a um, Premier Inn. And uh, they put the telly on and suddenly it all became like a party in the, in the Premier Inn. And that, that night when we, when, we, when we won the penalty shootout. Wow. By the way, I never talk about football. My brother would be so proud of me, wouldn't he? <laughs> I mean, my brother's there. If you look carefully, he's in the back left corner. There. <laughs> Can't, it's not the best shot of him, but uh, it's his Facebook profile picture, though. So here you have an image. You can see it on the screen. And if you're listening to this on the internet, you just have to imagine this. But this is Southgate comforting his enemy. You know, he's like, well, maybe not his enemy, but he's, um, I'm sure they quite good friends, but, but, the, but the opposing team. But then there's another picture, right? Let's see this other picture. This one is 1996. This is Southgate too, when he missed the penalty, yes. Right? So, of course, it's, it's this Southgate that's comforting that man this year. You know, 20 years later, whatever it is, less. No, no, more, more. 22 years later. This is the man that's comforting that player. But you don't get that first picture without that picture. Right? Without that picture, all you get is sympathy. You don't get empathy. Empathy is divine. It's part of deity. Hebrews 4 verse 15. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We haven't got a high priest that knows about us because he read about us in a book. We don't even have a high priest, the writers of course are talking about Jesus, because he made us. We have a high priest who is able to sympathize, empathize with us, Because he's been us. One who in every way is tempted, just as we are. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4. God, praise be to the God, you know, this is a God who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort of we ourselves received from God. Friend, look at me now. Turn your pain into power, will you? Will you turn your agony into action? With the grace that you have received to endure some things that you won't, you're not going to get up here and talk about it. But you can turn your pain into power. You can turn your agony into action. That's what the worm is about. 
Now, in many scenarios, let's just be clear on the theology. God has not sent us the calamity. We've endured the calamity. I'm not suggesting God is all the time giving us a hard time. But God will work within it. There's a verse that often gets misread out in church. All things work together for good. Romans 8, 28. That's not quite what it says. It says this. God works all things together for good. So if God works all things together for good, here's my encouragement to you. Will you please, in your life and in your mess and in your rainy days, will you work them for good? Turn them for good. Go help someone else who's been where you are. Now, now uh, you might need to recover a bit first, yes? It's no good going down and saying, now, I want to help you with your debts. Let me just talk you through it. Are you in debt? Oh, yeah, 120,000. But <laughs> No, get out of debt and then help him. Amen. Everyone, yes? yes? The blind leading the blind go where? That's right, the ditch. And that is not the name of a fancy pub in London. That is a bad place. <laughs> Just like that manager did. So you see, God comforts us. And then we comfort others. Just one more picture, which is that same match in 96. That's the manager comforting him now. You see, so everything gets paid forward, right? So maybe God, maybe God chewed your canopy. Maybe he didn't. Either way, learn from that pain and go help someone else. Well, do you have to be 100% healed of your problem to help? Let me ask you this. Who is 100% healed? But 80% will do. 80% will do. Perhaps some of life's struggles are divine worms to form empathy, compassion, and most of all, activity. You know what it is to see someone come on the TV and you see some terrible sight. And, it, and you've got some sympathy, but there's no empathy. It's not touching you. But someone else has been in those shoes. Or they are much more connected with that. They want to help with that. Don't let your pain count for nothing. Bank it, friend. Everyone understand what I'm saying? Everyone understand? Bank it. Use it. Change the world. Go help someone who fell in the same ditch you did. And then finally, number three, eternity. We talked about destiny, talked about empathy. Now eternity. A few things here just before we pray. The worm eats away at a, at a leafy canopy that had grown up over him overnight. And the Lord actually says to him, when you look at the tea, he says, why are you worried about that? Because it would, it's here today and gone tomorrow. That's really what he says. This canopy was here today and gone tomorrow. Why do you care about something so temporary? Jonah, why don't you care about those people? But instead, you care about your bedroom. Here today, gone tomorrow. And so there's, there's probably a little thing here about materialism. How many of you worked out that everything breaks? How many of you have worked out that when you get the 8.03 that day, the next day they're bringing out the 8.04? Jonah chapter 2. 
Jonah in his psalm, he says something like this. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake the grace that should be theirs. Well, what do you think a worthless idol is? A stone? A wooden image? Sometimes. But sometimes it's the things that we possess. You ain't taking anything with you. Nothing. Your favorite shoes are not going to heaven. Which is good news, isn't it? Because heaven isn't all that big. That's not a theological point, I think. Your favorite coat isn't going to heaven. Elijah thought maybe his was, but it fell off on the way up. Yes? Can I ask this? Are the things that you're so worried about, are they really important things? I mean, really? Some of us are just teenagers that never grew up. We just look older. But suddenly, something don't work. It's not fair. This is wrong. Oh, this is terrible. Come on. Rejoice in the Lord always. This is the day the Lord has made. I will not grumble in it. Oh, my vines go, my vines. There's thousands of people about to face possible divine judgment 50 yards from him. Oh, my vine, my vine. You're worried because when your toilet flushes, it's making a noise. Enjoy the noise! Because, come on, just, out, just a few yards away from your noisy toilet is a homeless man whose toilet is the street. Yes? And none of this is really worth anything. The one thing that's important, there's only one thing, people. People are important. Everything else is going to pass away. There will be no Downton Abbey in heaven. Everything's going to go. So it might be a good idea to put your treasure in the things that aren't going to wither away. So number one is here thinking about temporary things. The worm reminds us, don't be obsessed with temporary things. If you are, then you're sort of a teenager. Secondly here, the worm reminds us about mission. Jonah is moody and moany about nothing where just a few yards away people are on the brink of eternal destruction. Listen, this is not funny. What I'm saying now is not supposed to be funny in any way. We had a hot summer, didn't we? And uh, a couple of times I was staying in a place and, and, you know, the air con didn't work. And, oh, 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 the air con doesn't work. Oh, I'll die in this hotel. Dumb, stupid Western man. First of all, who cares about that? And secondly, a, a hot hotel in Bradford... It's not hell, is it? Whereas those people in Nineveh, they were facing hell. And a wind blows a hot air into, you know, into Jonah. God doesn't just take away the canopy. He gloriously sends a wind. Oh, Lord, send the wind. Well, not like that. Oh, Lord, send the fire. But when it comes, let me negotiate with the flames. Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has put eternity in the hearts of men. 
Romans 8.18, our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I found another version of that. Here it comes, which I think is absolutely lovely. Bring up this next verse. The pain that you've been feeling can't compare to the joy that is coming. We will dance on the streets that are golden. We will spend all of eternity in his glorious presence. The joy of that ought to get you through having a bad leg. Ought to get you through not having enough money for a costa this week. Ought to get you through the fact that the queue for the cinema was too long. Come on! We have to believe the good news. Hallelujah. The pain that you've been feeling, it can't compare to the joy that's coming. Revelation 21, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain. There will be no more worms. (laughs) But while we're down here, a few worms. But those worms are sent to do three lovely, wonderful, glorious things. Number one, they're there to lock doors that you shouldn't be going through. They're there to stop relationships you shouldn't be having. They're there to prevent you getting work that you're not supposed to have got. They're there to prevent you making journeys that you're not supposed to make. Everyone understand? While you're fuming and kicking the car and, ah, I didn't have the papers, ah. But it was the God of all love who sent you that worm that shut that door that looked good but wasn't going to take you into your destiny. Number two, those worms are sent to teach us a lesson that we can't learn just from a book. We can't learn just from hearing about it, just from talking about it. Sometimes you've got to experience something before you can be changed. In the name of Jesus Christ, turn your pain into power today. Go help someone. When you're 80% better, but go help someone. And number three, the worm is sent so that we might learn about eternity. That we might think, actually, none of this down here really matters all that much. Because I'm never going to die. Let's stand together. Therefore we do not lose heart, the apostle says. Though outwardly we're wasting away. Inwardly we're renewed day by day. For he says, and this is someone who is persecuted and whipped and beaten and went without food and water and all manner of things. He didn't just get a hotel room with the wrong window. He says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The glory that's coming far outweighs even the most difficult of steps. So we fix our eyes, he says, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So let me finish by saying this. What's the apostle here saying? The problem is with our sight. He says, 
We're not fixing our eyes on all the problems. Come on, let's bow our heads. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.